0: Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. The question is, is darts really a sport? It was the worst tackle I've ever seen. Fair play to Joe Root, it was a great knock. There's nothing like a good derby match. It was easily the best 7-9 I've ever hit. Right, come on lads,
3: let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Adam Millerchip. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and good friend, Nigel. Hi, Nigel. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much, Adam. How are you, yourself? Yeah, not too bad. And we're also joined by our other two, uh, two co-hosts, Tom and Thomas, who are Hello. students at Techno Woods Special School in Wolverhampton. So Techno Woods School is a school for children and young adults with autism, and we've set up this podcast to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills, whilst also interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. How are you, boys? Good, thanks. I yeah. I Thank you. <laughs> joining us today on the tws sports podcast we have a three-time speedway world champion and the most successful british rider of all time it's the one and only ty woofer hi ty how are you mate good thanks how are
1: you guys yeah we're doing good thank you ty what have you been up to this week this week well um i've, had, I've got a bit of a shoulder injury that i'm carrying so i've been trying to um to get that right uh, last friday i i got back on the bike to see if it was okay to and like strong enough to hold on and it was so I raced at the weekend which was the probably the hardest meeting to come back to you know the we were against the the top team in the league and um we beat them which was good but yeah it was um it was it was a little bit challenging to to hold on at some points but uh, I got the job done so it was okay
3: how did you do that Ty was that a, a speedway injury
1: uh, yeah it was I crashed I crashed a month ago Um, just really silly crash going into the first corner. The guy on the outside of me, his foot got tangled up on my bike. And as we turned into the corner, because I was dragging him like essentially down the track, it pulled my handlebars from underneath and I buried my shoulder onto the the concrete on the side of the track. So it was quite a hard hit. And um, yeah, just it's a three-month injury. So to come back after a month, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that.
0: Quite a long list of uh, injuries, haven't you, Ty? Are you uh, It's. I mean, uh, I've been watching the speedway on YouTube, and it's. Uh,
1: it doesn't look the safest of sports. No, it's not. I think you know. Well, all, all, all motorsport, you know, bike athletes say with age comes a cage. So you, yeah. uh, when you get to when you get to a certain age and you stop bouncing, then you you put a you get into a car with four wheels that has a cage around you. So uh, it is what it is. You know, it's just it's a part of the job.
0: And then they make it even harder by taking away the brakes and the gears.
1: I guess. Yeah, it's... they're they are quite a straightforward bike. They're um, you know, no brakes, no gears, just let the clutch out, twist and go, and they accelerate faster than an F1 car, so they're pretty quick. Did you have any heroes when you were growing up? I did. I used to um I used to watch a lot of freestyle motocross, so like Brian Deegan, Jeremy Stenberg, like a couple of the US guys. But from my sport, no. I, I never was really interested in it. I never I never followed it. I just rode it at the weekend because that's kind of something that we did as a family. And then I was obviously getting faster and faster. So then it was like, okay, maybe we should go to Europe and see if you can make a job out of it. But, um, yeah, from my sport, no, but from other sports, yes.
0: When you were a child, did you always want to
1: ride ride, bikes? Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a picture of me on a bike, uh, you know, with my dad with me sat on the front from probably when I was about like one and a half, two years old. So it's kind of all I've known. There's always been bikes in, in my life at, at all points, whether it was motocross speedway or I uh, had a stand up jet ski, which is like riding a motorbike on the water. So that's really cool. And yeah, it's uh, it's just just been a part of the whole process. You
0: started to interview yourself at quite an early age, uh, Ty. Uh, I was reading a bit of your autobiography
1: and you had a bit of an accident when you were, was it 13 with your bike? So like that, that middle finger there, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a little bit shorter than that one. Yeah. So I was just riding to school and I I put a new chain on my push bike. And uh, as I was, I was like, I stopped pedaling and I just leaned down to feel if the tension was okay. I knew there was a pole coming up. So I've done this like, you know, the poles in the middle of the paths. I don't know if they actually have them in England. I don't think they do. Anyway, yeah. in Australia, they have poles in the middle to separate them so that you keep like, you know, keep the kind of traffic on the right side of the path. And I knew there was one coming. So I just looked up to see how far it was away. And as I looked up, my, my, my I pedaled and my finger was still on the chain to feel the tensioner. So it kind of, <laughs> went in the sprocket and chopped it off and
2: <laughs>
1: I rode to school with it like that and there was blood all down my arm and kind of you, like... You carried on red.
0: riding to school?
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah, I went to school, yeah. <laughs> and uh, went straight to the deputy's office and she called my parents and an ambulance and they uh, they took me to hospital and they took me to one hospital and it was the wrong hospital. I needed to go to the plastic surgery hospital in, in the city.
0: <laughs> oh, so you quite used to hospital visits then when you started to do your Speedway career?
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I would dread to think how many times I've actually been. I have pro- I must have broken over 20 bones on my right shoulder ligament. Now I've done my left shoulder ligament. Yeah, scaphoid, hand, feet, leg, both bones in the bottom of my right leg. Arms four times, collarbones, I've done like seven. When you're racing, Ty, is that ever in the back of your mind? Uh, you just like, I don't know, it's it's a part of our job, right? So like, you know, same for somebody that irons clothes for a living, they're going to get burnt at some point so you know exactly <laughs> it's the just, same it's, it's it is it's the same it's, it's what we do you know and you know yeah there's there's risks with everything you do you jump in your car you know and you drive down the road that's a risk you know you don't drive down the road and think oh my god someone's going to crash into me someone's going to crash into me the whole time you're driving to work because you just don't right, so right. It's, it's the same it's just what we do
0: you describe yourself in your autobiography, as focused, loving, crazy, and loyal, do these words still best describe you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, my whole life is 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 based around my family, and you know, being together and and loving each other. And you know, when I race my bike, that's me going to work and providing for my family. And but then there's the other side of like I like to have fun. I like to skydive. I like to you know do all this crazy stuff. I love riding motocross, um, a lot of extreme sports stuff, and, and obviously. What I do for a living is an extreme sport. So you've you've raced in a number of
3: different countries, such as Australia, England, Sweden, and Poland. How does the speedway differ from each country?
1: How does it differ in each country? It's a tough question. Obviously, each country differs from a like perspective of when you land in that country, you have there's a different vibe. You know, Poland has a different vibe to England. They speak Polish here, they speak Swedish here, they speak English there. So, like, you know, everything's different. And then the way the clubs are run is also different. So in Poland. Speedway is like a, one of the top sports over here. Um, Like kind of football is in the UK. So here it's like purpose-built stadiums just for Speedway, like, you know, 20,000 people every weekend. So the atmosphere is really like different and crazy. The tracks are a lot bigger. They use a different material on the track. And then you go to Sweden and it's more of like a family kind of like club that like, you know, everyone's friends and they all work there and the money goes back into the pot and then they spend it on the track and, that sort of stuff and again the material is different there and the weather's different so they have a lot more trees a lot more oxygen and you know there's everything just varies from each country you know and it's a pleasure to be able to to travel around all these countries and and do something that i love you know i'm I'm so privileged
0: so with all those different materials being used in the different tracks did that
1: did that mean that some countries the tracks are harder to ride on than others england is actually probably the the hardest tracks to ride they're a lot more smaller because the majority of tracks are built on the inside of a greyhound stadium so like for instance at wolves you know you've got the greyhound track and that's kind of their main revenue and then there's the speedway there also but they have to build the track on the inside of the speedway track so a lot of the tracks in the uk are quite small and technical and, and really tricky to ride and they use um shale and clay and probably a bit of sand as well. But Mm -hmm. when they get wet or, you know, there's a few riders turn in the same spot, you know, you get little holes and, you know, it might peel away a hole, but there's a bit, a layer of clay. So as you, as your back wheel hits that, it just launches you into the corner. Whereas in Poland, you know, bigger tracks, faster, a lot harder, more of like a a blue granite kind of sandy tracks. When I say sandy, I'm only talking like a tiny little amount on the surface. But we have... Bikes that are 500cc with no brakes, and you know when you when the wheel's spinning through that little bit of sand, it's enough to to you know for things to to happen. So
0: you said you weren't that interested in speedway when you were first growing up. Hmm. So when did you start becoming more interested in it? When did you start actually start riding speedway? Yeah, that's a good one.
1: Hmm. I started when I was 12. That was the first time I got a speedway bike, and then I did all the local stuff, so just racing at the weekends. We never went. We never left western australia we just kind of stayed on our side because it's such a long way to anywhere else and we just did our own thing there and then i jumped when i was like when i'd grown a little bit more thing when i was 15 i went onto a bigger bike um and i was riding that around and you know there was a few people that kind of have been around the sport a long time and they're going oh you know he, he looks really good he's got a good style he's, he's going real quick and he's only been on it you know a week and yeah. they say my dad rob you should think about taking him to europe and seeing how he goes over there and then i think i came out when i was like 15 and three quarters or something or you know whatever or maybe i was 15 and a half and was kind of riding all the tracks in the uk and kind of showing people who i am and you know just get my name out there a little bit and then i would say probably the week the week before i left to come to england was when i started to get interested in it
0: your dad encouraged you to move to europe to compete how difficult a decision was this?
1: Yeah, it was. For, for, me, for me, it was. It obviously was different for my parents. To mm-hmm. me, so my parents, they kind of like put their lives on hold. Um, my dad was running a car yard, and my mum was a, a beauty technician. So they kind of had to just like shut up shop and then go to Europe with me.
2: Okay. And then
1: for me, for me, I was like, I was really young, and you know, I was partying with my friends and having a good time, and we was going surfing and riding push bikes and. You know, just not a care in the world, which is normal at that age. And then then it was like, okay, I need to make this decision if I want to leave all my friends behind and all this fun stuff that I do to go and ride my motorbike, which mm. I just did at the weekends. And I had to think about that and make that decision. But my parents were behind me, you know, regardless whether I wanted to do it or not. So they just needed an answer. And then a week before we left, I broke my leg. <laughs> um, so there was there, was there was a bit of a, a hard conversation with my um with especially with my dad because I didn't really understand you know I didn't have a job so I didn't know what it was like to have to pack up your life and move to another country and uh, we kind of had to have that conversation you know if I was if I was interested in it and if I really wanted to do it or if I you know just wanted to keep doing what I was doing so and then you just went from strength to strength the first the first I think three years I was here was to winning my world title really was just just soared you know now I'm just at that level and as long as I keep preparing myself, you know, right, physically, mentally, nutritionally, there's there's no reason why I can't stay there until I'm until I'm sick of it.
0: When you're riding, do you have to sort of prepare yourself physically? You know, do you have to do like a, a root stretching routine or anything like that before you uh, you ride? Or
1: I, I don't. I know a lot of athletes do. I'm I'm super cruisy with everything. Like my routine is different every time. I just you know I just kind of like go with the flow. I don't put like one glove on before the other. I just whatever's there. You know, I don't listen to any specific music. I just whatever's on the on the PA system, I'll sing along to that. And, you know, whether it's something modern like Justin Bieber or whether it's you know a Queen track or something, it it really does not bother me. I just I just enjoy riding my bike, and uh, I like to, to kind of I don't want to focus on all that other stuff. So I like to be in the moment and, and enjoy what's going on around and you know see you know the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff, hearing it. So yeah, it's um it's nice to just be in the moment.
0: If you had to pick one, which is your favourite track to ride on, and why?
1: Anywhere, or or in England, or
0: yeah, it can be anywhere, like a foreign country or any track. It doesn't matter. Anywhere,
1: mind. I would probably say Torren, the last Grand Prix, the last Grand Prix that we go to. It's it's a really nice shaped track, and it's just really enjoyable to ride. But the problem is, everyone's good around there, so it makes it really hard. <laughs> I think everyone enjoys going there, but um. I would my my favorite track in England for sure is is Wolves Wolves and Kings Lynn. Yeah, I spent a lot of time at Wolverhampton and I know the track inside out. Yeah, it's it's a real technical, tricky track, and and when you've got it dialed in, it's it's such a nice feeling. And then Kings Lynn's again, it's it's a really nice shape. And the last time I rode there, it was quite a bit of dirt on it, and that kind of feeling of you're in control, but you're nearly out of control, like you're right on the edge of like losing control, but you're in control. I love that feeling so any track that gives me that any track where you
0: there's a real atmosphere that you, you almost feel like you're coming home you can be feel the
1: crowd behind you oh, not not really behind me but there's a place called zelina gora we're racing there next week and and their fans are absolutely like so special all oh, but the british gp the british Grand Prix at cardiff for me that's that's the whole nother level uh that that from an atmosphere point of view that that just Blows every other event out of the water, but then if you go to like a league match, like when we race every Sunday in Poland. So this weekend we're going to Zelen Gore, and you know them fans just sing and they're loud and they, you know, they're banging on the big drums and it's um it's a cool atmosphere. Imagine twenty thousand people. They, they must make some noise. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe you know flags and flares and smoke things, and it's it's um <laughs> it's something different. It's great.
3: I just want to come on to tie your, your world championships. So you've won three world championships.
1: Can you explain to us and
3: try and put it into perspective what's that like to win Win three? What was it like to win your first, especially?
1: Yeah, the first was really special because, you know, you kind of, you, you know, you think as you're growing up, you know, racing and then, you know, I went to Europe, you know, I kind of was like making the progress and I was like, well, I could probably get good enough to be world champion. And then when you do it and achieve it, you know, that's, it's something special. They, they were always special in, in their each way. Um, the first one... I think nothing will be able to um, to match that emotionally. 2015 was, was a different year. I was, you know, two steps above everybody else when we finished the season and, you know, I was passing guys from, I was you know, missing the start, coming from last to first in a lot of my races. And that was super special. I had a really fast engine that year you know, um, from Peter Johns and that, that engine won me that world title. But it was, you know, it was kind of like business as usual. Like, you know, the first one was special and we've achieved it. But then, you know, then you don't want to be that one, you know, kind of kid that's only one at once so you want to win it again and then 15 you know backed it up and it's like you know i'm I'm good enough to do this and then 2018 was was quite a a stressful one you know smiles was there you know towards the end of the season and you know you know you're good enough but then you know you're pushing as hard as you can you're pushing hard, then you have a crash and then it's like okay and then he'll win a race and then you know lingren's coming and then someone else is coming doilies there and you're all taking points off each other so but we went into I went into the last round with a 10-point lead and I won the last Grand Prix I I won the championship then I won the last Grand Prix and then the next day I rode um, in the Thomas Golub meeting uh, at Bidgosh and won that as well so that last that weekend was the best weekend of my career winning my third Mm -hmm. world title winning the Grand Prix just after I won my world title and then finishing with the 10-point lead that I started with and I crashed that night as well, so it was, it was just an hectic weekend. it was great.
0: Can you win another world championship?
1: Yeah, for sure for sure we We try every year, every year presents different challenges, and um you know we just have to to adapt as the years go on and things develop and engines change and tracks change, and you know the, the weather conditions have been really cold this year so mm. far so yeah a hundred percent I still love it i am still the fire's still lit in the belly so. Yeah, there's definitely more to be won.
0: The world record for the number of uh, world titles, is, is it seven than individuals?
1: Six. Is it six? Six. So is it your aim to get uh, get seven? It is. That's the challenge. A lot of people say, oh, how can you say that? Like, even guys that have won world titles, well, you can't put a number on it. And it's like, well, you know, you have to set a goal. If there's a goal there, then something to work towards. Yeah. If you haven't got that goal of being the greatest of all time, then then what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
3: so. you're, at the moment, is it right? Like you're the most successful
1: British rider at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So I've won three. There's like two guys that have won six, and I think there's two guys that have maybe won four. And then I don't know how many guys have won three, but yeah, I'm up, I'm up there in the top ten greatest of all time. I would say, uh, maybe even the top five. I don't know, but yeah, there's you know there's there's still a long way to go. Greg Hancock's only retired a year ago now, and I think he's got four and he retired. He must have been like, I don't know, 43, 44, maybe or something when he retired. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. And I'm only 30, so I've got like another, mm-hmm. what, 10, 12 years.
3: Have been tempted to finish Speedway to go to a different sport or when you finish, yeah. do finish Speedway? Are you going to go into any other, other motorbikes or cars?
1: Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, like in the future, I haven't got anything planned, but like, when was it? 2015 it was, I was, I was thinking about, you know, I was, I was just beating everyone and it was really easy and I was actually wasn't enjoying, I was enjoying winning, but I wasn't enjoying the challenge because, you know, I was, I was winning a lot of the time quite easily. And I actually, you know, I did a couple of track days and I was, you know, I spoke to my trainer, I spoke to my wife and I was like, you know, maybe maybe I'll go road racing next year. and. Then I was like, oh, if you go road racing, you're not just going to go like straight in at the top. You've got to start your way from the bottom and kind of like work your way up again. And I was like, do I really want to like do all the English scene and then try to get a World Superbike spot or you know a Moto Two spot. And then I was like, ah, I'm good at speed, I will stick with that.
0: <laughs> Fair play. Yeah.
1: As you say, there's still plenty more World Championships to, uh, to win yet. Exactly, exactly. And that's why the the goal of seven came about because you know I have to have that that I have to have something to aim for.
3: Ty, we have a question from a listener who's got in touch with the podcast. And if anyone else is listening who wants to get in touch with us and has a question for a guest or a story, then please email TWSsportspodcast at Hotmail dot com.
2: Hello, Ty. Do you think you will ever return to race in the British Speedway League in the near future? Um, and that's a question from Ellis. Thank you
1: uh never say never at the moment i'm like reducing my calendar as much as i can so i can you know focus more on my nutrition and my training and and spend more time with my family so in in the near future it's it's a no but um it doesn't mean it's it's completely ruled out because you know one day i might have might have had enough of racing in poland and i want to do sweden and england but you know until until that time presents itself and you know i don't know i don't know what i'll be doing
0: So we've got a quiz for you now, just a, a bit of a fun quiz, uh, and it's to do with speed, because obviously Speedway is all about speed and all the rest of it. So uh, question number one, uh, who would win a race between a kangaroo or,
1: uh, and a hare? Oh, I reckon a hare. It's going to be a hare, right? Surely. Sure. It, it do is you know the
0: answer?
1: A hare? Hairs oh, yeah, be 50 miles per hour, believe it or not. Yeah, I I have seen it I've seen a hare run pretty quick when I've drove, you know, when it's come out across in front of me in the car and they do move. Yeah. It.
0: Question two, Tom.
1: Okay. Now we would win a race between a tiger and a dolphin. Tiger and a dolphin. I reckon a dolphin would be quicker than a tiger. But it depends if it's in water or if it's on land, right? <laughs>
0: That's a very good point. Uh we can imagine the lanes are there's one land bit and there's one water bit. Uh, I'll a dolphin it's, it's a trick question. They both reach speeds of 40 miles per hour, so it would be a dead heat. It'd be a draw. Really? Yeah. That's if People like me would put a shot with the dolphin. I'm sure they would go even faster than <laughs> the, the leopard.
1: It's <laughs> <the laughs> a good idea, Tom. Fair play. Give, the, give, give oh. the dolphin some incentive to go a bit quicker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Ty, you're in a race. You've got your Speedway bike. You're up against a cheetah. Who's going to win that race? Me. <laughs> 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 I think yeah. you're
3: correct, I think a speedway bike reaches 80 mile an hour and a top speed of a cheetah is 70 mile an hour. So yeah, you would be close, but you'd just beat them. Yeah,
1: yeah but I don't think it'd catch me at the start because we accelerate faster <laughs> than a Formula One car. So, Well, do you know what? Even... Like I've,
0: I've, I've looked up how fast cheetahs can accelerate and they can reach 0-60 uh, in just under three seconds, which I think is pretty similar. So it'd be
1: quite close in fairness. Yeah, right. That's mad. I still believe in myself to beat it. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: Uh, you have a lot of
1: tattoos. Which tattoo means the most to you? My dad passed away in 2010, and before he passed away, he wrote a letter for me, and I have that letter tattooed on my back with a portrait of him on the on the right-hand side. So, yeah, that's um, that's probably the most meaningful one that I've got. I think if you go on, um, if you search Ty Wolfenden back tattoo or something on, on Google, it'll probably come up. We've done a few magazines have done pieces on it and that, so if you want to have a look at it, read the letter.
3: Have you got plans for any, any more tattoos coming
1: up? Or oh, I see you're, you're pretty covered. Oh man, they hurt too much. I'm see, si- I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I've got. I would like to get some more, fill in a few blank spaces, but um, yeah, I just can't hack the pain. I haven't got time for yeah. it. You
0: mentioned your dad there, uh, Ty, and there's a there's a speedway race named after your dad uh, in Perth. is, that, is that
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you
0: uh, go about sitting that up?
1: Uh, I didn't actually. My mum might have had a little bit to do with it but basically um we used to race at a track called Briber lake yeah. which was like 40 minutes south and that closed down because there was you know using the land for something else and then there was no speedway track for the kids so all the dads got together and they built this track and you know they, it was just a big bit of bushland and they flattened it all and i'm not just on weekends every weekend all the dads came down and with the families and the kids and we used to you know run around and do jobs and and anyway, we built this really cool speedway track and it's still there now. And all the kids race there and I raced there a couple of years ago when I was back home. Um, and now they've built another big track as well.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so they've got the best of both worlds there now and, um, a really good platform for the youngsters coming through. And yeah, every year it's the, the Rob Wolfman classic. So on the, on the little track, cause that's the one that they all built and, and got going. So it's, Amazing. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's hmm. fantastic his, name, his name lives on. You mentioned
0: you had many injuries before, but what do you say was the,
1: is the worst injury you ever had? That is a really good question. The worst I've ever had. It depends on how you look at it. There's a little bone just in here in my hand, um, which I broke. And um, yeah, this one. And it has a screw in it and it's, it's a scaphoid and it has really low blood circulation. And I broke this in 2012, maybe. Um, and I still have problems with it now, you know, especially when it's cold or like aches when it's cold. Yeah. And I think the this, this screw just sticks out a tiny little bit and it catches my wrist. Every time I roll my wrist around, it clicks. There's the screw touching something. But then, you know, two years ago I broke my back. So that was quite a, a big one. I was out for two months, bit of a bit of, bit of stressful time, you know, with all, yeah. all the stuff that kind of comes with breaking your back. I would say that them two are probably the worst ones. I've been pretty lucky, you know, there's, I, ha- I haven't broke my my femurs. Um, they're a really bad injury that take a, a real long time to get right. So um, touch wood.
0: Do you have any other extreme sport hobbies?
1: Um, yeah, I did my skydiving course, uh, oh, it must have been two years ago now, but I haven't jumped for a while. So when the weather gets a bit warmer, for sure, jump out of the plane a few more times. You know, I need, a, I need to get some more jumps under my belt to, to before I can fly in a wingsuit. And then I want to do some base jumping off some cliffs. But again, you have to have uh, more time free falling out of planes before you can jump off cliffs and be safe.
3: What about Ty? Do you ever have a, a hobby of just sitting down
1: in a, by a pool, reading a book, or are they all, I all extreme? I can't, I can't do it. can't do it. The worst thing for me is like being injured and having to like rest. That absolutely breaks me like pretty much from the morning until you know the girls are asleep I'm flat out either in the house helping Faye or I'll you know jump outside for half an hour and do something outside or yeah I'm, just, I'm full gas all the time. Do you have any ideas what you want to do when you stop
0: racing?
1: Um, I know that you know me and the family will go back to Australia but as far as what I want to do when I stop racing, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where, where my future will take me, you know, whether that's from an investment point of view, I know it'll be in Australia. I know that we're going to go back there and we have a, a house there and we travel there and we spend time there. But yeah, as far as when I finish racing, like what the next chapter of my life will be, I guess it depends on where the world's going and, you know, a lot of people are vlogging now and they're making a living off youtube and all that sort of stuff and i think in the next you know if i rise there for another 10 years 10 years down the line there'll be some other sort of tiktok sting or you know social media yeah. avenue that will be booming and you know whether i focus on one for me or whether it's for the girls so that the girls can grow up and never have to work a day in their life then you know i don't, I don't know but we'll just have to wait and see what the future has told
0: Went somewhere you that
1: you interest interested in opening up a children's petting zoo. Yeah, yeah, that was, well, we, we got a farm in England. It's got um 24 acres, 17 stables. Um, we rented the stables out um, since we've had it to one family, which is pretty crazy because, you know, it's, it's good income and, and not much hassle. But we went to a petting zoo and the kids had so much fun. And I was, was kind of like, I, I drew out the, the farm and I did this whole map of you know you'd come down here and you'd go on the lake in a boat and feed the koi and you know go to this bit and all the hamsters and this one, and like I've designed it all and <laughs> Faye was like we're not doing it we go to Australia <laughs> for four months four months a year and who's going to look after it when we're not there and I have all these crazy ideas
3: just mentioned your your daughter's there Ty. I've recently become a, a father to a daughter I was have you got any any advice just uh
1: enjoy the time you know they grow grow up so quick like it only seems like yesterday Riley was born and now she's three and a half and like I said before I've reduced my calendar to spend more time with them you know riding speedway professionally in Sweden, Poland and England you know I was only home for Riley's like first year for maybe two maximum three days a week during the season so I missed a lot of stuff but now Callie's here and I've got a lesser calendar I'm seeing a lot more so that's really nice yeah just help your wife (laughs) that's it. Help your wife and uh, and spend time with your kids. If you could have
0: dinner with three people, who would they be
1: and why? I'd, I'd have I'd say Richard Branson for one. Okay. Um. No, no, I'd swap Richard Branson, Elon Musk. I'd like to have dinner with Elon Musk just to understand how his head works, because he's such a a crazy person, like the stuff that he can do and and all that sort of stuff. It's just mind blowing. And then probably someone from the past, maybe like Muhammad Ali, you'd nice to sit down and have a chat with him and hear his stories and what he went through living up, growing up in that era where, you know, like people was kind of like looked down on and he kind of like changed that whole perspective and, and was, was a massive role model for people. And then, I'd pick someone in the future because it'd be nice to go to the future or sit down with somebody that lives maybe, you know, 30 or 40 years in the future and then ask them questions about what's happened to the world in the next 40 years and where the world's going, you know, with, with pollution and, and technology and space travel and all that sort of stuff. So.
3: We've asked that question a few times. We've never had somebody in the future. So yeah, it's a good,
1: good point. Yeah, I think if you go present, future, and past, you got to, you got to, you know, the conversations that would be had around that table would be pretty insane.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely. I think Elon Musk had a lot to say to the person to the future, wouldn't he? Uh, I'll be asking Elon Musk how you pronounce his kid's name. I didn't know how to kid. I didn't know he had time to have a kid. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, got a kid and he's given to you the craziest name. That's uh it's just a load of symbols that no one knows how to pronounce. So yeah, yeah. he does.
1: It's worth googling. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he does. I'll google it straight after. I'll get straight on it.
3: Thank you so much, Ty, for taking the time to chat with us today. It means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. We want to wish you all the best for the season, and let's hope you make it World Championship number four soon. So then, and boys, is
0: our next podcast. Any ideas who's coming up?
3: Oh, yeah. So we have another great guest coming up. So he played in the 1993 Ryder Cup at the Belfry. He was the vice-captain at the 2006 Ryder Cup at the K-Club and he has won three European Tour titles. We'll be joined by golfer Peter Baker. Peter Baker? I remember watching him in the late
0: 80s. I wonder if you've to give me any tips about my golf game. It will take more than a few tips from Peter to improve your golf, Nigel.
3: <laughs> Our TWS Sports podcast will be released every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. The TWS Sports Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast streaming apps. So, thank you so much for joining us today, Ty. And thanks, lads. And see you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye bye.
0: There we go. Hi, it's uh, ex England rugby player Jamie Noon here. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the TWS Sports Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast apps.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.